0: One small step for man, one do what it do what it do welcome back for what it's worth family to another episode of you guessed it for what it's worth I'm your host A.B. and today we are going to get into part two and hopefully the last part (laughs) of my queen and slim review now last week I tried really hard not to ruin the movie Even though it was supposed to be a review, it's the first time I've ever done (laughs) a review before, and it seemed like it should have been easier than it actually was because I really wanted to give the people, whoever was listening to it, hopefully they had actually seen the film if they listened to it, but if they hadn't seen the film yet, I wanted to give enough to where it seemed maybe like interesting um, and maybe caused internal conversation or even external conversation with either your partner, partners um, friends, uh, brothers, cousins, nieces, nephews, whatever the case may be, um, as it pertains to representation and and black love and just anything. (laughs) So the hope is, is that y'all have seen it by now because, sorry, if not, I want you to know that I am judging you. Okay. I am giving you the black church lip. I'm giving you the auntie, I'm not your mama look, okay? With love. And I'm only saying this because I'm telling y'all, if you haven't seen it yet, and you feel like something may be missing in you, (laughs) I am telling you now that this movie will do it. It will fill. It will fill whatever it is that you feel like you're missing. And I mean that. I genuinely mean that in so many ways. Um, So we also talked about representation. We talked about black love. We talked about um, the juxtaposition um, or conjunction of the two characters as they are two totally different entities of black people, right? How Queen has this ability to write herself into this position of being a martyr, of being a warrior, and maybe not writing herself into that position. Well, maybe so, because of her traumatic experiences and things that she, it seems like she's gone through. She had a pretty callous exterior, but she had the ability to be so soft and so open, and even in, her, even in the, the toughness of her inner person's skin, I would say, um, she still had the ability to be so intricately in tuned with her truth and her honesty and her emotions, um, even as she was using that calloused skin as, as maybe a defense mechanism or protective covering over herself from pain. Um, whereas I talked about Slim, I mean, really Slim was very much just like like him. Slim very much seemed like he was just himself and he developed into Slim as the movie went on as it pertains to the survival of these two people together and the survival of two black entities and himself against um, what was essentially white supremacy and even on a simpler lens just self-defense (laughs) <laughs> like without all of the political lenses in mind, the survival of self-defense is is just that. And he seemed very comfortable in his skin um, the entire movie, uh, at least to me, except for points where his status as a citizen was questioned, like whether or not he was a criminal because of what he did in self-defense. It was in those moments where it felt like I saw him question himself in terms of um, how he identifies himself as a man, as a black man, and as a human being. Um, But this episode, I really want to just dive into the entirety of the film and why I feel so strongly about it. First of all, shout out to Motown Records for making... um, like purchase, like packet merch packages for the people, I definitely purchased, and I may purchase again, (laughs) they have this whole thing going on right now, where you can buy um, multiple t-shirts, or you could buy a t-shirt, a long sleeve, I think they may have a hoodie as well, and then you could also get a digital copy of the Queen and Slim soundtrack with that, but you can also get, like, a CD. You can purchase the CD, or you can just get the digital soundtrack. But if you buy any of the apparel, they have included a digital copy of um, the soundtrack in the purchase. That was not – I'm just telling you all this. Like, I'm just trying to be the homegirl on the other side. I'm telling you all this. So for those of you who have either seen the movie yet and love it as much as I do, like it is actually ingrained into my DNA at this point, Um, or haven't seen the movie and have not yet allowed it to be ingrained into your DNA, but are almost there, get on the things, okay? Get on the things. That is not a promotion. That is not a paid advertisement. That is just somebody who loves you directing you to something that also loves you too, okay? Just, Just indulge, just do it. Um so I am going to start from the very end. Now again, <laughs> I'm issuing a spoiler alert because I've already talked about um the bulk of the beginning of the film. I didn't really get into the middle of the film. And I feel like I want to start with the end. Um, I want to begin with the end because I had no anticipation of feeling the way that I felt at the end of that at all. Um, Well, should I start there? No, we're going to, we're just going to continue from where I was. So... If I can remember correctly, I ended, um, I still, I think I still ended at basically the beginning of the movie. Like legit, I I really genuinely think I ended the last podcast where they're still sitting in the diner. Yes, I do remember that because I remember talking about the concept of the fact that these people, okay, so when the movie starts (laughs) and they're in the diner, you can clearly see that they're on a date, but the energy is off. Like you could tell he was, uh, Slim was minding his business and enjoying whatever it was he was enjoying, regardless of her enjoying it or her even enjoying him and not in a way that was disrespectful. It just seemed like he was so, he was so comfortable in himself that regardless of how the moment went, like he was going to be in that moment and he was going to be his full true self in that moment. And I love that. Um, But it was so interesting to me that the the, the concept behind that meeting, right, that being their beginning um, and going through the movie, realizing that (laughs) these two people may have never seen each other again, ever, had the circumstances not been what they were. So I want you to keep that in mind as i'm continuing to talk through the through through this episode about the the development of these two characters as individuals and the development of them as an entity in their world um once they leave i think what i found really beautiful is that first of all slim's music like <laughs> I love them both, I just I just love them both so much. But he has a, a very similar vibe, I would say to mine, um, in terms of how he expresses himself through the music he chooses, whether it was through the gospel that at, at some point once they finally started running in the beginning of their run, she was not into that shit at all. And as I talked about the in the previous episode, she was basically atheist at this point. <laughs> She, she did not have a belief in any higher power, let alone um, the, the Christian God. Um, but what I love about their character in the beginning of the movie after they leave the diner is that even in that kind of awkward exchange between the two of them, you can already start to see Queen open up herself to Slim um, as he's driving her home. And in hindsight, what was even more important to me in that moment was once he finally gets stopped by the cops, mind you, she's she's a lawyer, okay? Once he finally gets stopped by the cops, she immediately assumes a position of protection over him, asking him questions like, you got any weapons in the car? You got any warrants? Like, really helping this brother. And I mean, of course, because she is she's a lawyer, she's just trying to provide services. But I think what was really powerful for me to see is that I really wasn't seeing her profession or his position in the situation. I was seeing these two black people in this situation and her deciding in her own humanity to provide resources and questions and to provide a safe space to provide information for him through questions like that so that she could be a place of resolution for him in the event that maybe he did have a weapon or maybe there was some sort of contraband or maybe he did have a warrant. But what I loved about the way that part of the story was written is that he was like, nah, bruh, I just got like a pocket knife in the club <laughs> compartment. You know what I mean? There were so many parts of the story that it seemed like the way Lena wrote the film, is that she she did it in a way that from jump debunked whatever stereotypes <laughs> we had in terms of preconceived notions about our experiences that have been indoctrinated into us to believe that we're always on the wrong side of this situation, right? As well as white people or non-black minorities who may have been or who are indoctrinated with the perception that they as minorities are always wrong on, the situa- on that side of the situation, or that the police officer is always right in the situation, or even more specifically, that if you have black skin, <laughs> you are the wrong person. You are on the wrong side of the situation. You are the criminal before Any trial has been had, any evidence has been had, soon as you're in a situation like this, because you are who you are, you're the criminal. You're the culprit, right? And she wrote the story. She wrote the beginning of this movie in a way that was like, listen, point point blank period, this was self-defense. And I mentioned that before in the last podcast as it pertained to, you know, Slim's family life and making sure that we knew as an audience that he had a good relationship with his family. He had an immaculate relationship with his father specifically. Uh, We know that's a huge part of the black narrative in terms of um, parenting and, and fatherhood in particular being a contributing factor to criminal activity in the community. And she just was like, nope. He doesn't have any weapons. He's not a drug dealer. The brother has no warrants. His parents are in his life. And on Queen's side, um, stepping in, right, as, as, as the pillar of resolution and problem solving in that moment and deciding within herself, regardless of her profession, being a lawyer or whatever, the fact that as a black woman, as a person, um she in her humanity knowing the situation at hand knowing their position in it still deciding to ask the questions um in hindsight was still really beautiful to me and then of course the situation transpires right i think what i wanted to know is like we know in real life they have cameras on their cars, on their bodies, right? So in my mind, when they're showing, they don't show the entire footage. Well, we see the whole situation happen as the audience. But as the story progresses, we don't see the entirety of the footage as they're showing it on television after they're discussing the event and and Queen and Slim are already on the run. We don't see the fullness of the scene. If I remember correctly, we see her standing outside of the car. We see Slim on his knees with his hands behind his back. We see the officer, of course, pointing the gun at him. And then I believe we see a bit of the scuffle and the cop getting shot. But of course, we don't see when he shows up, we don't see that he's basically accosting these people. We don't, see, <laughs> we don't see any of that. And I wonder if that was intentional, right, to provide an element of us seeing how media and how the news um, manipulates information that they show to us in, situa- in any situation, in situations such as this as well, where we're only fed certain types of information to perpetuate a certain narrative of a story, right, that continues to perpetuate the idea of, of black bodies being threatening and <clears throat> black bodies being criminalized, right? I, I wonder if that was part of her writing process. But I, digre- I digress. Um, I think another thing I really loved about the film um, <clears throat> is that it's one of the only films that I've seen that I feel didn't do any, like, code switching. And um, it felt like home. It felt so natural. I felt like I saw myself or people I loved or family members or um, even friends in all of these characters, all of these people. Um, And I don't know if it was intentional, but it it seemed like it gave – Maybe a maybe a non-black audience, um, minority or otherwise, an opportunity to really just see what a specific black interaction is like. It was it was very much like the way I felt in the film at least, or watching the film. It felt like a a, a whole other world was happening outside of um, the world of the majority that we live in, right? Like it felt like this is this is our world this is our daily this is what what is happening in our communities in this particular moment as it pertains to this situation this is how some of us communicate with each other this is the vernacular that we use and and it's, it wasn't even like intentional it just seemed like it seemed so natural in conversation and a, a lot of times like when I've watched predominantly black films, it seems like there is um, um, an undertone of, of needing to dampen the vernacular between black bodies, right? Or, um, I don't know, some type of quote-unquote policing of some sort of ebonics in order for it to cater to um probably a white audience, but here it was just like, nah, or I've seen black films where it's just like, okay, bruh, (laughs) it seems like it's being like shoved down your throat, and it seems like it's being forced, whereas it seemed this one is just like, listen, this is just how, this is just how this conversation is going, this is the communication between these, these three or four people, these two people. Um, when it comes to Queen and Slim, it felt like nothing else was happening in the world at that point for me as I'm watching this film because I'm just enjoying the blackness, the truth and the blackness of this experience. Um, But again, as I mentioned in either the previous episode or even previously in this episode, um, I was more comfortable throughout the entirety of the film when they were in some difficult situations (laughs) because I felt like as they were building their relationship and they were building their love, these two individuals, Queen and Slim, um, and the rest of the world was happening around them and to them, um, in the moments that it felt like they were at peace or they felt like they were... um, comfortable I noticed that I've never seen I've always felt this way in a black film even if it has nothing to do with the the justice system or um, uh, systemic oppression and racism I've always felt that way as it pertains to black films I've always felt in those moments when things are too good and it's comfortable It. those were the most unsettling moments for me and to me it stated the ideology um that my friend was saying when he and I discussed it for a bit that um there's this element of of black joy being fleeting it's deep it's prevalent it's um it's sweet it's um breathtaking it is um it is elusive, um, but also simple, but it doesn't seem to last long. And we've gotten so comfortable, many of us, I don't want to speak for everyone, but many of us have gotten so comfortable in the trauma at this point that we we hold, we feel comfortable in the trauma of our experience as black bodies because that's what we know to be true, no matter what, Right? like if it, even in my own personal life if i can go through a day without being accosted based off of either my body or my skin tone or me being a woman but as it pertains to this being um a black person i don't even feel safe i don't even it doesn't even feel natural anymore almost to the point where I know people have heard of this quote or maybe have even seen memes or whatever about it, but it's like um, trauma feels like home to some people. That's just what it is. And I believe, I do think that that portion was intentional. But the point was, in my mind, I was like, okay, so what am I going to hold on to in this? Am I going to hold, like, when when you could tell they started falling in love with each other, or they started having legitimate feelings for each other, whatever the case may be, I could feel my chest tightening up because it was just like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Because now it's like, well, damn. Now they've really fallen for each other. Now these feelings are coming to fruition that may have never come to fruition had this not happened to them, had they not been in this situation because she did not seem like she was into it at all. (laughs) And he had been trying to link her he'd been trying to hit her up and had it not for this been had it not been for essentially this trauma bond right this love may have not ever happened and now they're gonna fucking die like are we serious is this the life is this the life that we have to get used to like is this is this constant level of trauma or possible trauma or just day to day living in life and death and and when you think about it theoretically all of us are just are are in theory living and dying right we are we all eventually will die but it's a totally different situation and circumstance when when you are knowing that one day you will die right but. Uh, or as opposed to, rather, living to survive your every single day. That's not the same thing. The the acknowledgement of, of natural possible death as it pertains just to the circle of life, right? And living to survive every single day, knowing that there's a possibility that you will be murdered, right? It's not the same thing. It's not. It's not the same thing. So I found it extremely beautiful in those moments too to see both of them um, allow themselves the freedom to be in those motion, in those in those moments emotionally. I love that, that Slim was just like, I mean, you know, we don't know how long we have. So we might as well seize the day while we while we can. We're gonna car pay this DM, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he gonna carpe this DM. but I also love how Queen. Now, total random side note: there has been this conversation amongst um, the pop cultures, um, and the blacks about um su- being submissive to to um, in a heteronormative sense, um, being submissive to your husband. And if if there was any quote unquote healthy way to describe that, because I'm I, I it, <laughs> there is nothing positive in submissiveness to me. I feel like there needs to be another terminology to describe um, uh, the acknowledgement of equal partnership and compromise. I would say maybe compromise would be the closest word to um, submissive. But if, if in, in that lens of the conversation of submissiveness in the black community to um, your significant other in a heteronormative perspective um, as you submit to your, your husband or whatever, I would say the most healthy form that I had seen of that in, in media um, was was Queen's submissiveness to the moment while she was with Slim. It it never seemed like she she submitted to him, right? She submitted to how she felt with him because it seemed like she trusted him. He never gave her a reason to feel like she shouldn't. And even when he was being annoying at first, I mean, they had just met each other. (laughs) Like They literally had just met each other maybe hours ago. An hour or eight, like two hours ago, and he's chewing with his, f- chewing with his mouth open, smacking his food like, <coughs> I hate that, right? But as the movie progresses, and she already has her own defense mechanism up from past traumas that she suffered, but as the movie continues, you can see her soften multiple times in the movie because in one way I think that she's submitting more so to herself, She's submitting to the woman that she feels like she wants to be, as opposed to subscribing to the defensive narrative. And maybe in one way, it's because of it's because she might be more willing to submit to this narrative of love and this narrative of, of um, perceived freedom with this new person in this new life under this traumatic ass circumstance than she is to continue living this life of defense alone because she constantly talks about basically being by herself all the time okay not constantly but she mentions throughout the film that that she she's basically alone um and has been alone for most of her life at this point so at this point it's like okay i mean why wouldn't i because really and truly, just to, just to be transparent, as a person who, who claims to enjoy solitude, I like the possibility of choosing solitude, right? It's not that I want necessarily to be alone all of the time. It's that I prefer solitude over bad company, right? And so because of that, I am often alone but not necessarily lonely, you know, because I'm comfortable with myself. But I'm gonna skip forward because I really wanna talk about this theme of all skin folk, ain't your kin folk. Listen, there's not a black film that I've seen to date that doesn't include somebody who is either a snake the entirety of their presence through the fucking film or a part of their presence through the film or a quarter of their presence through the film. Now, I really want us to hone in on this because as the community, as the black community, is trying to build economically, socially, uh, strategically, as we are trying to um, build a conglomerate and a togetherness, right, I want us to to think about the fact that our blackness has been... um, Oh, uh, uh, a blanket of weaponization for um, systemic oppression. I also want you to understand that in that that blanketed ideology that we have not been afforded the opportunity to be treated as individuals within our collective. That is not to... That is not to say that you deserve to be an elitist. That is to say that you deserve the opportunity to observe the beauty in your culture, but also to be acknowledged as an individual. Because there are good people, there are indifferent, and then there are bad people as they pertain to the entire human race, right? So when I say this, I don't want anybody to be like, because some people get offended when you say stuff like all skin folk and your kin folk. Some of the most raggedy people I know are some of my brothers and sisters. Some of the most, I mean, the just down mode, mode, like just just raggedy, just raggedy. But that is not a cultural trait, right? That is sometimes, (laughs) some people are bitch made, okay? Some people are bitch made because their whole family is bitch made. That is not a cultural attribute as it pertains to an entire quote-unquote race of people, that being the black community. That is a cultural attribute as it pertains to the character of that family, right? Because <laughs> some people come from a bitch-made family. That's the facts. But some people are bitch-made individuals for whatever their reasons are. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if I care why sometimes. Um, I know personally I'm trying to be more introspective about how I think about other people. Because some people might think I'm bitch made. I mean, they're dead wrong. But (laughs) some people might think I'm bitch made. It's not my job to change their opinion. It's only my job to be me and live in God's purpose, right? The reason I say that is because Queen and Slim did a wonderful job of using collective unity in the Black community as an advantage, um, in a positive light, um, because that that collectiveness of blackness is also um, has also been used and is still used. Um, as a form of weaponization in, in the black community, or or towards the black community from outside communities, um, as a as a weapon of systemic oppression, and so for them, any black collectiveness looks like um, negative gang activity. <laughs> We've seen that in um, the Black Panther Party, which has has had its has its um, historical uh downfalls in the past in terms of some of their uh their members belief systems and partnerships and self-hatred that they were working through as well as misogyny and um homophobia that is still very present and prevalent in the community um as well as up to current gang activity um but in this movie they do an amazing job of of Showing that we see each other. Um, And in moments, sometimes when we really need it the most, um, our community can be, our community is a home base. It should feel like a place of home, right? We should feel safe with each other. And there's a testament to that when they went to the, the, uh, the Jew joint. I think they were in Louisiana at this point. I don't know what part of Louisiana they were in. I think they were going to New Orleans, um, but we see that when they go to the juke joint and they walk in, and, and the air that I get for a minute is that they're thinking that nobody knows who they are. But I think at least Slim walks in <laughs> under the anticipation that these people uh, these brothers and sisters, these these black folk know exactly who we are. in his mind, again, because he's such a he seems so free. In general, from the beginning of the film, he's like, I really don't, I don't care, (laughs) bruh. I want to take you on a date. I want to take you dancing. We literally might die in like 30 minutes. So at least let's just dance this last time. This first and last time, right? And they walk in. And as far as I'm concerned, for a minute, I don't think they know who he is. For for a, a minute, I don't think they know who either of them are. Um... But also, I'm like, you can't (laughs) you you can't cut your hair and 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 um, shave your head and all of a sudden turn like (laughs) start looking like a new person. That's what really trips me out about some white people, though, like you'll get braids or not even just white people. It could be other people of color who maybe don't change their hair. They don't know what a ponytail looks like. Or they've never had experience with black people. But, like, you'll come to work with your natural hair out one day, come ba- take a day off, come back to work with your hair braided, and all of a sudden you have a whole new fucking face. <laughs> what type of Volar Margulis type of shit do you think we be on? Like, <laughs> I just, I just want to know. I want to know how all of a sudden I change my hair and I have a new face. I actually know another and I think she be trying to throw shade at me but I really I really don't care. Um one of my my family members, well she's basically um a mother-in-law to one of my family members and every time she see me, she be like, "I didn't recognize you." I didn't recognize you. I'm like, "Listen, you've known me since I was fucking 10." So because I had cornrows last week, and today I fucking don't, you don't know who I am. And it's fine. Like, you don't have to know who I am. I usually want to be invisible anyway, but don't, don't, don't do me. Don't do me. And she's got this, like, colorism thing. Like, sis, just don't. Because I'll read your whole, whole card. I will. I hurt your feelings. Listen. I, I was told to respect my elders, but you looking real fucking young the way you acting. you looking real immature, okay <laughs> real immature. but as they're walking through the Jew joint, at first for me, well as I was receiving that um from the screen, I, I genuinely didn't think they knew, and then they have this beautiful moment with each other where they're just like they're in each other's heads, but they're like in their own head. And it's like they're talk, they're, the nonverbal communication in that in that scene was just like, yo. And then he's he's looking around, you know. Well, he goes to get the drink, and the bartender gives them the drinks for free. He walks over and lets her and lets Queen know that that they everybody in there probably knows exactly who they are. She starts low key wilding. He's like, listen, just chill, just vibe with me. I love that about him. I love that. Listen, to the folks out there who may be looking in this direction, if you can't calm me down like that, because I'm usually wilding out, (laughs) I can't do it. He He just was so like, listen, it's a vibe. He wasn't like, he just was allowing her to to do what she was doing in her head without allowing what she was doing in her head to affect what was going on in his head. And he was just like, yo, let's just chill. And so she starts looking around, and everybody's, you know, everybody's giving them that nod. The people in the community know the nod. And it just felt like, yo, like, this is great. But the reason I'm talking about the all-skin folk ain't your kin folk is because we know. Brother, at the end of the movie with the fucking gold teeth. Listen, there are people in your life right now that you love, that you're friends with. And that man was a full-blown stranger. I knew I knew that, that man, the, the moment that he walked up with that gun, I knew the moment. The moment. I said, this movie's fucking over. I just felt it. And he seemed like he would have been a cool-ass dude, too. Like, But there are people in your actual life right now who are ops. And they are operating against you for their own fucking benefit. And here's the thing. Some people will operate against you just because they don't want you to succeed. Not because they're operating under their own benefit. Those are the people that fucking freak me out. And they could be skin folk. They could be kin folk. They could be the government, which is clear. They could be anybody. You got to keep your mind right. You got to keep your energy straight. You got to keep God in your path standing before you because you'll have that intuition. And honestly there were moments when when so let me let me backtrack queen starts freaking out she hasn't been sleeping but she's freaking out for a good reason and i connect with queen on so many levels because listen at that point even i was having a panic anxiety attack like i was in the theater like literally grinding my fingernails across the armrest of the of the seat at the movie theater like 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 I was like scraping my nails because I couldn't I just it was so much it was so much so she starts freaking out he tells her to go to sleep and they have another beautiful moment where he tells her a story um and it was it seemed like it was just a story like I tried to unpack it but it seemed like he was really just trying to comfort her and tell her a story Um, so apparently they're in Florida and they fall asleep basically in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, yo, (laughs) where's the house at? And then (laughs) at that moment I was like, oh shit, here we go. So like when I'm afraid, I'd like plug my ears. I'll watch a thing. I will. I'll watch something. But if I have to hear the actual sound of it, it'll freak me out. Cause sounds really stay with me. I'll forget what something looks like. I can forget what a thing looks like. But if I could hear the sound, that shit will stick to me, and the sound is what makes me feel. So I had to plug my ears. My ears were plugged for the whole last 20 minutes of the film, I'm telling y'all. So he falls asleep. They both fall asleep. They wake up. This brother walks up to the car with a buckshot. It looks like a, a biscuit shotgun. And he walks up with the shotgun to the car, and he taps on the window. And at that moment, I was like, if they tried to run, he was going to try to kill them. Because either way, he was going to get the money. Dead or alive, he was going to get the money. Okay? He was going to get the money. So <sighs> he's talking to them. Um, it looks like he's just going along with the story. Um, and for a minute, I thought he was an op. Like, I, I thought he was. He was an op, but I thought he worked specifically for the cops. I thought he was undercover. Um, But no, he was he was just a brother. Um, And they look at each other. (laughs) They look at each other. And it's like he's dropping hints after hints after hints. He's like, they're looking at each other like, how do we know we can trust you? He's like, do y'all have a choice? What y'all gonna do? Sit here till the cops show up. As soon as he said that shit, I would have hit the gas, bro. I'm out. We're going to drive as far across these fucking keys as we can get to. We're going to hijack a plane and maybe crash into the water. I don't know, but not here, not today. (laughs) And they get to his trailer. He's talking on the phone. Slim starts getting hasty. And to me, this is like maybe the second time, well, maybe the, the third time that it seemed like, slim is has has kind of lost his cool at this point and he and when I say lose his cool because because slim is pretty like even kill the whole film until you know he has a gun pointed at his face um by the cops after that he's just kind of you know chilling it seemed like he's kind of just minding his business and doing his thing and he's kinda of just in the situation trying to figure the situation out as it goes, trying to figure himself out as the situation goes. And uh the brothers on the phone talking to the person who's allegedly supposed to have excuse me. Allegedly supposed to have this this plane that they're gonna they're gonna get to Cuba on. And um man, As soon as he says, um, they'll have the plan for you tomorrow, it just like it just was a whole down spiral. And I noticed like even though I had my ears covered, <laughs> I was that was the most comfortable part of the film for me, because at this point I was like, well, the shoes dropping. Now I'm just waiting for it to hit the floor. The shoe is dropping. I don't know what it is or what it was about this brother that I just felt like this man is an op. The movie's over. The movie's over. I knew they wasn't going to make it out alive. I just knew. If they had did a switch switch in the film and somehow these fools ended up alive in Cuba somewhere and lived happily ever after with their kids and stuff, listen. That would have made, that would have, that would have, I would have given the film hundred, 110%. Because I, I love the film so much that I probably would have given it, like, if I have to rate it off of, like, tomatoes or whatever the hell, I probably would have given it, like, a good 96%, for sure. But if they had survived at the end, if they had made a way that made sense for these two black people to survive this situation, Bruh, I would have given it 110% for sure. So I'm telling y'all, when they hopped out that car and started slow traipsing to the plane, I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing? (laughs) What are you doing? The man, like, slowly turns his blades on, and you're looking in the back, and I see that first cop car pull up. I was like, oh. No. No, no, no. Like my heart just fell. My heart fell and I realized because even though I was more comfortable in the traumatic moments between the two of them, I still wanted that love to happen. And I still wanted them. I still wanted them to live. I still wanted to have that opportunity. I wanted to see their love come to fruition until the day they died naturally without being murdered. I still jumped when they shot her right after he told her that she was his legacy. And I just, like, bawled. As soon as they killed her, I just bawled. And then when he picked her up and started walking with her body, right, when he held her up and, like, mind you, she... Like, as a total lifeless body, right, he picks Queen up and he walks with her, and he holds her to the end. It just was like but and i don't I don't want want to romanticize the death because sometimes I think we get so caught up in the beauty of love that or what we're seeing and what we're perceiving as love is that. We're not realizing that there's a whole other set of circumstances that go into it. Um, And I also don't want to romanticize the violence of what happened. Um, But I think that there is a depth. There is a lot to be said um, in seeing the black love in its fullness, right? But also to see this, this, this brother carry her almost as if he's paying homage to her carrying him through the incident and through the end. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just, um, that's when I totally lost it. Like, you ever cry so hard you start sweating. You don't know which one is tears or sweat beads. I was like, I can't do it. And I was nervous because I was sitting next to this white dude who was sitting in my seat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I told him that I was sitting, that he was sitting in my seat and neither one of us wanted to move. And I'm not sure if neither one of us wanted to move or he said he didn't want to move and I was like, I'm not going to do this in this movie theater, but he was also the only, they were the only two white people in the movie theater. So I don't know, whatever. Point of the matter being, the film was beautiful. It was a beautiful film about um, black joy, black love, black trauma um as it pertains to the justice system and um i've heard that cleveland is is um parts of cleveland can be very rough um it's still very racist from what i've heard from people who are from there um the the justice system the police brutality is is (laughs) from what i've heard from people who live there and who live in certain parts um that situations like that happen all the time. Um, and to hear even in the film, as it pertains to that particular officer, particular, sorry, officer, um, that he had already killed an unarmed brother, um, an unarmed young man in the film, like either a couple months or a week prior. Um, it was just, it was very interesting. It was a very interesting thing. So, um Queen and Slim. First of all, I'm supposed to be getting my t-shirt. <laughs> I'm supposed to be getting my t-shirt. I already got the album. But um, they are selling product. They were selling packs when I when I got mine. If you buy it, like it was like a like a shirt or a hoodie or a sweatshirt with either the digital copy or you could buy the actual CD of Queen and Slim. Um, so yeah, they're selling that. Online, I think, through Motown Records. Um, if not, it might be on the Queen and Slim website as a link. Um, but, yeah, I stand. I stand. I stand for the whole, the blackness of the a homage that the communities were paying to Queen and Slim, though. That's all, oh, man. When they blew up their picture and plastered it on the side of the buildings, that's just like, I just, I just love us. I love us to the point where I'm getting like emotional about it um because it it shouldn't have had to happen and the young man that was killed in the film at the um at the parade there was an it was it just like the fact that he killed the black police officer who was trying to let him go and trying to let him go home it just yeah so many things so many things. I I'm I will be talking about the things in my head for at least another week. But Queen and Slim, you get five stars from me. You get five Sankofas from me. You get five black fist five out of five black power fists from me. Um on another note, I heard. I just have heard some things. But i I'll, I'll address that in another podcast episode. So that is Queen of Slim Part 2. I was supposed to release this last week. I need to get my shit together. I need to get my shit together, but we're getting there. Um, I will be getting some pins produced for the new year. We are still working on merch. Well, I'm still (laughs) working on more merch, but I really want to work on production and pushing out more content for y'all and trying to manage this thing because it's just time management with a full-time job and this thing and then another bit like it's just it's been a mess <laughs> with me for like the last 6 months as you can see um but i'm getting it together before 2020 i'm getting it together before 2020 i got what is it 2 3 weeks time to knuckle down um so stay tuned stay tuned for the pins um, I may do, like, a New Year's sale, because I actually still have product from this year that I'm trying to to get out to the people, um, so if you're interested, I will, I'll probably have my shop up just for maybe two or three days, um, so if you want to, feel free to DM me if you're interested in product, um, otherwise, I will be making an announcement for another episode at the end of this week, um, is there any more announcements, or are there any more announcements? Um, I don't believe so. So um, I love y'all, and again, like I tried to make known, if you are, if you are not known or you don't feel seen or you don't feel loved anywhere, here for what it's worth, is where I have all the things for you, um, and um, love yourself. Lift yourself up. Be who you needed when you were young. Um, I know that's something I'm working on myself. And as this life gives you lemons, man, like Benonce said, or I think that was Miss Tina Lawson said, you know, you make lemonade out of that shit. Lastly, but certainly not least, Remember that these people can do all things through Christ, but play you. Love you. Bye.